0: We have been in this really, really, really uh, amazing, convicting, promising series uh, as we've studied the prophet Elisha, and we've used the word ridiculous over and over again, and today, as we look at Elisha's ridiculous faith, we're going to look at ridiculous recovery, ridiculous comebacks. Comebacks. And ridiculous recovery and ridiculous comebacks come as a result of losing something. Amen? Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I am prone to losing things. I have been on a very intense search over the last two, three weeks for the will that my mother signed. Now, that's trouble right there, isn't it? Another thing that I lost this very week, I had a cap come loose on one of my teeth. And before I could go see the greatest dentist in the world, Mrs. Rassenfoss back there, I have lost it. Is there a solution? (laughs) Good. Yeah. I like that. if you see, it's gold by the way. So I'm not getting it back if you see it right. (laughs) How about this? Have you ever lost your sunglasses when they were right here? Mm -hmm. Uh, How about this? I've done this way too many times and it started when I turned 50. I was talking on my cell phone or I'm talking on my cell phone to somebody and I say this to them. I've got to get out of the house, but before I get out of the house and go to work or wherever I'm going, I've got to find my phone. <laughs> you ever done that? Now that's dumb, isn't it? That's dumb. That's just dumb. Well, here's some good news. All of us are prone to losing things. Now, now, these things that have been sort of superficial that I've talked about. Uh, They're not critical losses, but there are things in our life that can be very, very critical. And and for our purposes today, we're going to talk about spiritual losses. Uh, Maybe today, as you sit here, you realize that you're not as close to God as you once were, that whether it's just apathy or outright sin that's become a part of your life, that your relationship with Him, it's not that you've lost your relationship, it's more that you've lost your fellowship with Him. Uh, maybe you've lost your spiritual edge. Maybe you once had this intense passion for God that, if you're honest, you no longer feel. Maybe you once had a deep and a fi- abiding faith. And, and now on some level, doubt has, has, has begun to set in. Maybe you used to pray passionately and regularly, and now you find yourself praying just when you have to, when you're in church or when somebody expects you to before a meal. Maybe you once spent a lot of time in God's Word, and now suddenly His Word isn't attractional to you. but you've lost something. There, there's a, a blank on your outline that I'd like you just to reflectively answer. Have you lost something? And not just yes, write that thing down, claim it, and offer that to God right now. There's a great story uh, that kind of follows right along uh, with the other miracle stories that revolved around the ministry of the prophet Elisha. And on the surface, this miracle may not seem to be as powerfully intense as, as uh, uh, the things that we've read over the last few weeks where we talked about uh, 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 people digging ditches and God flooding a valley and, and, and God just doing miracle after miracle in the life of this prophet, uh, they may have seemed bigger. Last week, you know, we talked about provision and how God just kept filling jars of clay uh, for the prophet's widow uh, with olive oil. And he did some spectacular things in, in Elisha's life and as a result of his ministry. Today's doesn't seem on the surface to be such a big deal but i think after we look closely at it it may just be this is the most important miracle that we've looked at in relationship to our lives it's in 2nd kings 6 beginning at the start of the chapter one day the guild of prophets came to elisha and said you can see that this place where we're living under your leadership is getting cramped. We have no elbow room. Now understand that Elisha's prophecies had begun to be popular in the kingdom, and there were many young men who came to follow him, to be a part uh, of his ministry. So many, in fact, that the dormitory or wherever they dwelled had gotten too crowded. You ever lived in a place where it was too crowded? Where you could, where, yeah, I mean, your house, maybe. Uh, Anywhere that you're in a room, uh, once Jeff Perry took me to Puerto Rico, and and we were in a room about as big as as, as, uh, the pulpit area up here, and there were 44 of us sleeping there, 44 men. And I don't know what the percentage is, but my guess is that at least 80% of men really smell bad after a while, right? Ladies? Amen? Amen? So, it's easy to get into a crowded place and so we understand why this guy came to Elisha. Give us the permission to go down to the Jordan River where each of us will get a log so we can build a roomier place, a bigger place. And Elisha said, go ahead. One of them said, why don't you come with us, please, come with us. And Elisha said, certainly. He went with them, they came to the Jordan, they started chopping down trees. As one of them was felling a timber, his axe head flew off and sank in the river. He said, oh no, it was borrowed. Now understand, on the surface, this doesn't seem like a big deal. But here's a young guy who's going into ministry, going to be a prophet. He didn't have much money. He was a non-profit prophet, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. He didn't, ha- he didn't have much money. He would borrowed an axe. Axe head was valuable iron, very, very valuable commodity in that time. So it was a mess, kind of a mess. The holy man said, It's Elisha, where did it sink? And the man showed him the place. He cut off a branch, and he tossed it at the spot. And then the axe head floated up. This is where you say, wow. (laughs) Y'all act like you've seen an axe head floating. Grab it, he said, and the man reached, and he took it. Now here's an incredible lesson from this this particular miracle that all of you need to apply to your life. All of us need to apply to our lives. God cares about what you've lost. God passionately cares about what you've lost. I don't know in your life what we've already mentioned or what you put on your paper, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter if it's something physical, something material, something spiritual, God cares about what you lost. And this miracle teaches us that not only does he care about what you've lost, that he can help you recover what you've lost. I hope you've been in the habit over the years of praying about what you've lost. Because no matter how big or small, God cares about that. God wants to show you, help you, especially especially when it's something spiritual, when you've lost your passion when you've lost your faith, when you've lost your wisdom, when you've lost your joy, when you've lost your peace, when you've lost your way and you've stumbled and fallen into sin. God cares. Say that with me. God cares about what you have lost. Now think about that. He cares. He will help you recover what you've lost. And here's something that's just amazing to me. Our great big God, our great big God, who's in charge of a lot of people, who's interested in a lot of people, cares about the small details of your life. I mean, this wasn't him multiplying food. It was an axe head that might have cost some money, but it could have been replaced. And God cared about it. God cares when you wake up with a headache. When I said that, I thought about the old joke waking up with grumpy, waking up grumpy. You know. Remember that one? God cares when you wake up with a headache. God cares when you've had a bad day at work. God cares when there's an argument in your home. God cares when your car won't start. God cares about the small details of your life. God cares about you, He knows you intimately. He knows your hurts, your burdens, your woundedness. He knows where you've lost your way and what you've lost. He cares. Now, you may be saying this morning. How do I know? I mean, I can tell that I'm not where I should be. I can tell that I'm not as close to God as I once was. I, I, I can care. I can tell that my passion is not what it once was. I, I can tell that, that I seem to have lost my way. But what are some signs? What are some signs that a believer, a Christ follower, is in a spiritual funk? Bible in, in Revelation 2, Jesus gives John this vision to share with the churches. And the very first of the seven churches that he addresses in Revelation 2 is the church at Ephesus. And it's a great church full of great people. And, 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 and John shares that God brags on that church. But but then he finally says, you've lost something, though. You once were passionate. You once had 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 an abiding love for the things of God, but you have lost your first love. It's time to return, to allow God to lead you back to your first love. Sign number one is you don't serve. Your your life becomes all about you. When you are connected as you should be to God, you're not thinking about what can I get, you're thinking about what can I give away? Who can I help instead of seeking help? Who can I bless instead of being blessed? It becomes about you and not about God. Because when it's about God, God always points you towards service. That's a, a, a very, very clear and obvious way that your faith, your passion is on display. You have a heart for serving for other people. You passionately care about the needs around you. Secondly, just that word passion, we've said it over and over again today, but you understand that there are people in this room right now who are very passionate about their walk with Christ. There are others in this room now who who have passion from time to time, but not always. They kind of get excited over a certain project or a certain program or a certain day when they seem closer to God. There are others in this room who are apathetic you've lost your first love you've lost your first love no serving no passion number three you don't share your faith anymore uh it's a a tried and true rule or a rule of life is when you're excited about something you talk about it Women get a bad rap for being the ones who talk more than men. And I think that's, if if it's true at all, and I've seen studies about how many words women use and how many words men use a day, I think that's more a matter of intelligence than just anything else that women know have more to talk about. But we are all... Guilty, or not guilty, we're all, when something excites us, we talk about it. I have had several conversations that included the number 31 today. You can think about that. Because people are excited about that. How long has it been since you've been excited about what God did in your life that you were lost without hope and God in His grace and His mercy in the midst of your unworthiness saved you? How long has it been excited about? So, since you've been excited about the fact that you have a sealed place in heaven? That you have abundance in this life so excited that you wanted to tell someone else how to get there. You see, when you you lose your way, when you're in this spiritual, apathetic state, you don't share your faith. You have lower standards. You know you ought to be living this way, and you start living this way. You know you ought to be making choices that honor God and you start to make choices that please you. And, and, and instead of, of acknowledging the, the sin, the wrong nature of those choices, you start to say, well, it's okay. God doesn't care. God doesn't notice. He'll forgive me. Or you, you start to rationalize to legitimize your choices. When you're not walking with God and His light isn't shining or you're not allowing His light to shine on you, you'll lower your standards. Number five, you become cynical when you've lost your way. You can't blame yourself so you start to blame everyone else. I talk to people all the time who, who've lost their way, and I've times lost my way, instead of just saying, "You know what? I'm a sinner, I'm, I've messed up." People will say, "You know what? I'm not going to church anymore because those people up at the church did me wrong. Those people up at the church are hypocrites. Well, yes, we are, aren't we? We are. None of us are really as good as we want to appear. We get cynical. We look for other people to be mad at and other people to blame when the problem lies right here. At gut level. And right here. So how do you get your spiritual edge back? How do you you get from this place of apathy, this place of lostness, this place of uh, lower morality and standards? How do you you get it back? How do you regain what you once had? How do you do what, what, what Jesus or what God said through John to the church at Ephesus? How do you start to make that change that so desperately needs to happen? How do you get back what you've lost? Number one, you're honest about where you lost it. Honest is an easy word to say. It's a hard word to live out, isn't it? It's a hard word to live out. When, when I lose my way I would much rather keep it a secret when I lose my way I'd much rather find someone else to blame when I lose my way I'd much rather try to lie to myself lie to others, lie to God about the path I walked you've got to be honest about where you lost it I think that, that truth resonates with all of us. I know when you're a pastor and you start to lose your way, if you stop and you're honest and you look back, you start to remember that, you know what, I am a full-time employee of God. I'm a full-time employee working for God, but the fact of the matter is I might be a part-time follower. I might be spending a lot of time in God's Word, but I'm spending that time in God's Word in order to be able to work for Him and preach for Him and not applying it to my own life and living it. You might realize as a full-time employee of God that you're praying a lot for other people and you're rarely praying for yourself. And I wonder if many of you who are here often and who have been a long time, if not employee for God, a long time believer, don't fall into the same traps. You see, you have to be honest about where you lost it. You have to be honest where you stopped going this way. And started another path. And until you are honest. And until you are willing to just admit. I blew it. I threw the axe head. Into the river. I didn't tighten the axe head. I lost my way. I lost my passion. No healing can come. You can't do it half heartedly. You can't tell part of the truth and hope to get better. You got to be honest. Secondly, with God's help, take back what you lost. With God's help, take back what you lost. At some point in time, I'm going to find my mother's will. I'm going to find my tooth. I'm going to remember that the phone is in my hand, at my ear. I haven't lost it. Don't you imagine when, when God watches that, he laughs? At some point in time, with God's help, take back what you lost. You see, God hates the separation between you and him. God hates those places of apathy and lostness in your life. God stands ready to help you find it. There's two things I want you to see about that. You'll find nothing that really matters. Nothing that's really eternal, that's spiritual, that's powerful without His help. You can't just decide one day to be better. You can't decide one day to be more spiritual. You can't decide one day to be wiser. You can't decide one day to live without sin. What you can decide is to fall in love with God, to fall to your knees, to admit your stupidity and your sin and beg Him for His help. Beg Him for His help. And until you reach that place, You'll never get back what you lost. Number three. Realize that God desires to restore you. Deuteronomy 30, it says this. Here's what will happen. While you're out among the nations where God has dispersed you and the blessings and the curses come in just the way that I have set them before you into every life, the Scripture tells us, will come some sunshine and some rain, some blessings, some cursings, some great days, some miserable days. You and your children will take them seriously, and you'll come back to God, your God. And you will obey him with your whole heart and soul according to everything I command you today. And God, your God, will restore everything you've lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places. That you've scattered them. No matter how far away you end up, God, your God. I like how it says that because it's not just God, it's my God. Do you see that, guys? Your God. That's intimacy. God, your God. We'll get you out of there and bring you home. It'll be yours again. He'll give you a good life. God wants to restore His children. He said it right here. I uh, had a conversation a few months ago with a with a father. He said this to me. He said, I, I've been estranged from my son for 25 years. We had a falling out. He was a jerk. And I don't care if I ever talk to him again. When I heard him say that, I thought about my relationship with my own boys. There have been times when they have been jerks. They've been stupid. And I thought about my relationship with my own father. There were times he should have banished me from the planet. (laughs) Amen? Amen? I couldn't stand to go a single day without knowing that my sons knew that I loved them. And that whatever problem there was between us, same thing true with my relationship with my dad, we had to fix. We had to fix. Because our relationship was bigger and more important than any grievance. And I know that in this room right now, there there are so many of you who have someone in your life that you're estranged from. You ought to fix that. You ought to do whatever you have to do to fix it. You know what I told the guy the day that he told me that story? I said, aren't you glad that God is more gracious than we are? Aren't, aren't you glad that God, when we have failed him, aren't you glad that God, when we have lost our way, aren't you glad that God, when our passion is failing, never changes. And that he keeps pushing and pressing and running and forgiving and loving and will not stop till he reclaims and restores relationships. Bible says there's nowhere you can go where God won't find you. There's nothing you can do that He won't forgive. Be honest about where you lost it. Realize that it is impossible to find it without God. And realize. That from the moment it happened, he was ready for you to come back and restore. You see, I think a lot of us are stuck in some bad places. And a lot of us think we can't get past those places. We can't move out of those places. Some of us, even though they are bad places, they've become security They've become habit in our lives. I think a lot of us are stuck in a place where we've lost so much that we can't even see it. And I believe the message of the axe head is a distinct cry from God Himself to our hearts to step away from that place of security and into the place of destiny, into the place of peace and salvation. I believe the message of the act head, there's nothing that's too little for God to notice. There's nothing too grotesque for him to forgive. And he's always looking to find you, to love you, to pour out his grace on you. Just a moment, we're going to stand and sing. But I want you to take just a few seconds and think about what you've lost. And how much God wants to restore that think about that pray as i pray father right here right now it's time to be real it's time to be honest we've lost so much failed so often been so sinful we pray for your light to shine upon us pray for your power to fall upon us we run towards you now God
1: too long we've been running away